The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. Hello and welcome the power, to the preview podcast for round 11 versus Hawthorne. Uh, the game will be played on Thursday night at Adelaide Oval. I'm Portia and joining me, as is very often the case, is Maka. Maka, how are you? Mate, very, very well today. Very well. How are you going? Why? Why? Well, what? What? Something must be, must be good. Must be good to be up at nine o'clock on a, a Wednesday night and be saying things are going well. What's happened, Macca? Oh, it was my lad's uh, third birthday today, so happy oh, times. Yeah. Oh, very good. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, that's that is excellent news then. It is. Um. Yeah. So look, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm getting a bit thrown out by all these changes. Um. One week we're in Shanghai. Then we had two Thursday night games, which means we do these on Wednesday at 9 p.m. I, I don't know. I just it, it's I'm finding it very hard to sort of get into the rhythm of following football at the moment. To be honest, Macca, it's a bit what tough. What is happening? Where am I? I don't know. What's going on? What's my name? <laughs> I, I've got no idea what's going on. This is uh, this is silliness. I'm sick of doing previews on Wednesdays. To be honest, <laughs> it's look. It's just really strange. I mean, you're so used to thinking, ah. Oh, you know, it's so hard to have a free weekend in football season. We've had, what, two in a row now? Three. Yeah. This will be our third in a row that we've had nothing in the way of football on the weekend to worry about. I know. Very. In the middle of winter, it's so strange and, and foreign and weird. That's it. Um, oh, dear. Oh. It's just not cricket. <laughs> yeah, well, by definition, in fact, Maka, you're right. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, look, um, we must as well just jump straight in. Um, now, I have to admit, I only have watched little bits of these games, and hopefully, Mecca, I know that you're very, um, what's the word? There's a good word for it. Punctual, not punctual, but for diligent, that's one, and you've probably that's watched the these Collingwood versus Hawthorne and Hawthorne versus Sydney games. We're just going to talk oh, briefly about where Hawthorne's coming from. Wouldn't have missed it in the world, Porsche. Really? Okay. Okay, because for me, that those games are like, eh. Anyway, we'll start with around 9-1. It was a weird one. It was a really weird one. Collingwood won. Uh, 13 goals, 12-90, defeating Hawthorne. 11 goals, 6-72 for an ANS 18-point loss to Hawthorne. Hawthorne were up at 34 points at halftime. They tied at three-quarter time, and Collingwood won by three goals. Mm. Hawthorne kicked one goal, two after halftime. Tom Mitchell had 50 disposals. What kind of crazy game is this? What is going on? That is that is a mad game. I didn't actually get to see that. I saw the uh, uh, parts of the last half, but I didn't get to see... Um... Why Hawthorne was so far in front uh, through the first half, but I guess uh, Collingwood did the job for Lou Richards. Um, they would have been playing on emotion. They would have been absolutely torn yeah. to shreds at halftime. So for them to come out after halftime and win the game from that far behind uh, was certainly a good thing uh, for them, I think. And um, I don't know this uh, this Hawthorne team is hard to rate at the moment. They're, they're just they are. they've got so many injuries. They're just not really sort of gelling at the moment. Uh, they've got a number of players out of form. Uh, their forward line's a bit of a mess. Uh, so it didn't really surprise me that they lost that one. I guess the manner in which they lost it was the surprise. Yeah, and but I think the interesting thing for me is that they're still... I think they're still fairly obviously maintaining their system really well. So I think the coaching is actually... I think that Alistair Clarkson and his team are actually still doing really well with what they've got available right now. Yeah. Um, like, There's no obvious... Look, at a lot of teams, if you have a couple of key injuries or, or whatever, then you're going to... Or absences, I suppose, with um, what Lewis and um, Mitchell changing clubs. 
you know, you're going to expect to see those holes. But like statistically, you look through and it's like there's not been a huge change. It's just their letter position is the biggest change that they've had. Um, it, it's interesting. And But you look at them on paper and you think, oh, gee, this, you know, the defense is a lot younger than it used to be, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's a big change. You know, that, that defense is a lot less subtle than it used to be for sure. Oh, and that's probably, yeah, yeah. I guess that's probably where they're falling down to a large extent because that was kind of... You know, it was never. I don't think. I don't believe the Hawthorne defence was ever the highest quality as individuals, but they worked really well as a team. So to have that inexperience there, I mean, that's got to make them exposable. Yeah, that's um, a good con. They're missing two of their key players. I mean, Stratton, yeah. I think, is certainly uh, the one which they're they're really missing at the moment um, because mm. I think he's he's a very underrated footballer across half back. Does his job every week. Um, and really sort of leads that defensive group well. And, and obviously, Frawley, as a tall defender, is um, uh, is a pretty key player for them as well. Uh, so to be without those two, I mean, you look at their um, defence on paper this week, and it, it does look fairly short, Weak. doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it looks short, and it also looks, you know, not particularly good. You know, what Ryan yeah. Burton and Caden Brand, they've not played much. Um and, I mean, I really hope that they players lined up because I'd love to see Charlie Dixon and Josh Gibson. <laughs> yeah, I reckon, I reckon uh, Gibson will probably Kate do the Brennan. job. <laughs> you reckon? He, like, oh. he likes playing on taller uh, defenders, Gibson, and I think he usually oh. does a good job. But, um, yeah, look, I think this is a game where sort of Trengove can really get off the leash a bit, I, I hope. But, um, anyway, back to the Collingwood game. I mean, Tom Mitchell, 50 disposals. Like, settle down, kid. What's going on? Right. Yeah, that's uh, what one of the the top ten disposals or something of all time. Uh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I remember being amazed back when it was Paul Lacuria getting forty, and everyone's going, "Wow, forty disposals in a game!" And Tom <laughs> Tom Mitchell fifty. What the hell? That's it. Uh, I don't know. Like that's that's. I guess that says that game is probably Hawthorne season. We probably both should have watched it. And we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they've had quite a few games like that. I mean, the Crows game was pretty similar as well. They were quite mm. uh, quite far in front against the Crows uh, through the first half and then came out after halftime and struggled. And that's kind of been a bit of a theme for them so far this year. Um, it just goes to show that they're entirely beatable this season. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, but, you know, they're still hanging in there a bit. Um, but I, I do agree that they are much more beatable than they have been in the past. They're certainly nowhere near being the, the formidable side that you go up against. You think, oh, I'm not sure if we could win this one. I, I, th- I think yeah. that, I guess maybe what you'd have to say is that the mystique has died, um, so that teams are probably a lot more confident going up against Hawthorne now than they would have been in the past. So that's yeah, for sure. Ho- hopefully, hopefully includes us because that means we might we might thrash them. Yeah. Um, uh, round ten, last round, uh, Hawthorne played Sydney and they won uh, in Melbourne. It was just one goal win, literally. Um, Hawthorne kicked away early in the first quarter and they just basically kept the lead at each break. Um, yeah, they last this two was games... This a cracker game. This was a ripper yeah. of a game of footy. Um, mm. Sydney really challenged them quite a few times and Hawthorne yeah. just had the answers. Oh, I thought they were done, the Hawks. Uh, Isaac Heaney kicked a couple of goals in the space of, I think, um, about 90 seconds and they got out to an eight or nine point lead, and you thought, "Well, Sydney are going to run away with this," but um, they didn't. They sort of, uh, you know, the Hawks um, rallied, they regrouped, and uh, they ended up getting the job done, and um, probably their best win for the year, I would think. Yeah, look, I mean, it'd have to be really, wouldn't it? Um, to because you know, Sydney, I suppose, is a bit more consequential for them as a rival now. Uh, and you know, six point win in a rough season, why not? 
Uh, and obviously, uh, this is probably another one. It was a midfield win. Um, Shields, Mitchell, and Isaac Smith were all pretty oh, amazing. Isaac yeah. Smith Smith's covering so much ground. Yeah, he's, he's playing really well. He's he's um, one of the old crew that has sort of stood up and is still playing good, really mm. good footy mm. this year. I think uh, Sean Burgoyne uh, turned back the clock and um, had an absolute ripper game in the midfield. Um, yeah. that was probably their best player, I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's essentially sort of won them the game in the last quarter as well. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a game that was won through the midfield. They just managed to uh, get on top of the Swans midfield when it mattered in that last quarter. Um, they shut down their run. Uh, they forced them into a lot of turnovers, and uh, and they damaged them on the uh, on the rebound. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and look, I mean, I guess the other thing to take out of the last two games is that. Uh, Luke Bruce just kicked three goals in each of them, which means he's in a bit of form. And, uh, you know, kind of like Levi Casbold for Carlton, he's one of those guys that always bobs up against us in, in my memory of him playing. Uh, yeah. So that's that might be a little bit ominous. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's still probably a little bit underrated, I think. He doesn't get the respect I mm. think he deserves, but um, he does seem to play well against Port Adelaide. But um, on he paper, does. he's only kicked 14 goals in nine games, so... Probably not as damaging as he's been against other sides. Yeah, well, that's probably fair. Yeah, yeah. But then again, Hawthorne probably hasn't had as good a record against us as they have against other sides as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so look, I mean, I guess overall the theme, you know, how they're winning, I have to say it's probably midfield, don't we? Um, pretty much. It's just that they're still managing to do what they can with what they've got. Um, but they're still not winning a lot. Um, the gone from 8th for marks inside 50 last year to 17th this year, which that's the biggest statistical anomaly for that side that I could see. Uh, and that really pretty much means that then they're getting it forward. It's not as secure as it has been in the past. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it's really deceptive to work out how you beat them, apart from just trying to expose them, uh, expose the, 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 the fragility of that defence with those injuries that they've suffered. Um they're a strange team this year, Hawthorne. They've played 35 players, so they're really unsettled. That's yeah. the, uh, the equal most of any team in the AFL this year, 35 players. By comparison, we've played 27. So you can just see how unsettled they've been. They've had a lot of players either injured or really out of form, um, which has really sort of uh, knocked them around a bit as well. Uh, and when you add into that the fact that for a lot of those guys who are now sort of ageing a fair bit, like they've won their premierships. They they missed out on history last year, and we said at the start of the year through the sort of preview podcast, we we said like, what are they playing for this year? Are they going to struggle? And they have struggled so far this year. Mm, mm, you know, the mm. glory days are over, I guess you'd say. Um, will they still make the finals? Maybe I don't know. They're that sort of team that <laughs> might go on a, a run and win sort of the last eight games for the year or something and, and sneak in. But um, at this point in time, I, I do think they're entirely beatable. There's a lot of um, areas in their team which should be able that we should be able to exploit this weekend. Yeah, look, I mean, it's they're definitely a team that when they're running, they can still be formidable. But it's just a matter of if they'll get running or not. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We should we should beat them. We should beat them really at Football Park with the form they're in and the relative form that we've been in because we have been Football Park. Jesus. I'm not football park. Adelaide, Mate, we're not going Adelaide, there, are we? Come on, brain. Catch up. Adelaide Oval. Thursday night footy at footy park. Oh, I'll look forward look, to I'll playing say, in front of uh, 12,000 people. That'd be great. Look, 
I'm going to say I'm freezing, so I, I automatically should know it's a footy park. <laughs> no, that's all right. I've got a dressing gown on at the moment. I feel like a tool, but it's great. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all I need now is a cold hot dog, and I'll be right back there. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, look, we'll um, move along to this week's changes or non-changes. Um, interestingly, neither side has made any changes to the squad that they've picked from last week. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of can see Hawthorne why they did it, particularly like you just said, you know, they've been very unsettled, so it'll be good for them to have the same team going in two weeks in a row, and they did win last week. Yep. Um, us? Mm, not convinced of that. Um, we I'm surprised, but I'm week. not surprised. Yeah, I'm sense. not surprised, but I'm, I don't like that we didn't make a change. <laughs> I would have loved to have made a couple of changes, but... I can yeah, see why yeah. they haven't. Like, if anything, Kenny is a loyal man, and he likes to stick with his uh, with his with his players. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I probably would have made. I would have liked to have seen Gus come in for Youngie. I think. Um, and I would have loved to have seen Westhoff get dropped this week, but that was never going to happen, was it? No, it was never going to happen. And, you know, we want him to drop players that have been serial underperformers, but the reality is he didn't drop them when he started coaching at the club. And they did all right. And so they're going to just be around until Hinkley's gone, I'd say. Um, so that's that, really. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, I'm not against, guess... look, in theory, like, we did play really well last week. We just didn't get the job done, but... So in that case, I can see why they've gone in with an unchanged lineup, um, which they've done. You know, they've tried to stick with the same sort of structure this year as much as possible. I think so. In that regard, I can see why they've done it. Mm, I kind of think that we've had our what our mid-year sort of assessmenty thing with the buy, and then to decide, yeah, no, everything's excellent, even though there's some similarities between the ties we're losing to. Um, I don't know. It feels like we've just decided to just play out the season and see what happens without really looking like we're going to make any changes what we're doing so far. You know, what's that, what's that saying they have about um, if you do keep doing the same thing and expect different results, you know? Um, I don't know. That, that's not a sensible thing to do, and it kind of kind of feels like that's what we're saying we're going to do this week. Yeah. Um, we don't make any changes. Uh, but, look, it's Edith it's Hawthorne that we're playing against, not Geelong. Uh, arguably that could mean that you say, hey, we're playing against a very injury-disrupted Hawthorne. Maybe this is a good time to bring in some of those young players in their early 20s that are basically very much in line for a spot and would be in another team. Um, but we've obviously decided not to do that, so there we are. Yeah. Um, I guess the only real interesting thing is the emergencies. So Monfries and Tumpus uh, are named on the emergencies, uh, and Jesse Palmer as well. So this is the second week Tumpus has been on that emergency list. Uh yep. I don't know. We had the early declaration that we're not going to make any changes, which in the previous form this year has meant that we're going to drop Hartlett. So um, <laughs> of those three, does that mean which one comes in for Hartlett? Oh, look, Hartlett will do his calf, um, starting his car or something, So um, yeah. on the way to the ground. So if he comes out, you would think Tumpus will be next one in? Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, if it's, we're going for a, like a straight like. replace, yes. Yeah, yeah. I look, I mean, if you're going to do like for like you, probably, I would probably prefer Palmer of those three. And that's sort of very vague, but anyway. 
Um, I just had a comment on Spreaker Chat from Craig Jones saying he reckons that, or has heard, sorry, that Amon is under an injury cloud, which, given the way he played last week, it wouldn't be too surprising. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't well, know. If he comes out, you would think uh, probably Monfries, Monfries will come in, you would think. You would, you would probably think that in that particular. Yeah, they're not a direct replacement, but it would be a similar sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan has said, Tumfusman, is he on the list? Uh, yes, he is. Um. <laughs> well, so, as I said last week, he's been in good form, very good form. He's doing everything that's been asked of him, and um, that's why he's on the uh, emergency list. Yeah, but like we also said last week, um, if Tumpus comes in, the only role he plays is like Hamish Hartlop at worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's not really a thrilling thing to do, but anyway, there we are. All right. If he comes in, I'll back him in and see how he goes. Yeah, well, okay, cool. <laughs> so, look, uh, obviously in that squad change, we can skip a little bit there. Um, how do we match up on them section by section? So I guess we've got to start with the Rucks. Ben McAvoy, he's been getting on a lot, into a lot of taps, but not, not getting a lot of clearances himself. And uh, I, I don't know, like the Hawthorne midfield has never really depended on clearances. They've had a lot of shitty ruckman over the years and done yeah. really well and won premierships. So right. um, I don't know. How much do we take out of the ruck duel? Like is it just can Ryder realistically have a big impact or is it just that Hawthorne is so used to having a losing ruck that it's going to be very hard for him to have a real impact in the game? What I found staggering was I read the, uh, I think it was, uh, it was some um, mock All-Australian sort of squad of 40 that uh, that someone put together, and uh, McAvoy was in that squad of forty, and I thought you can't be serious. I didn't think he'd had that good a year, <laughs> um, and, and especially considering they missed out uh, Brodie Grundy from Collingwood as well, who's you know probably been the best ruckman this year. So uh, that was that was a bit confusing, but I think this is one like we've said a lot of times in recent weeks that Paddy should be able to get an advantage because he's coming up against someone that's not a leaper. Well, in this case, Ben McAvoy does have a decent sort of leap on him. So I don't think Ryder will uh, be able to get any true advantage um, Mm. at the the centre breaks. Maybe around the ground he might get uh, a bit of an advantage. Uh, McAvoy has been decent this year, but... um, I don't know. It's a strange way. He's kicking goals. I mean, that's uh, that's one thing that he's doing. He's hit nine goals in ten games. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting battle, that one. Because I don't really yeah. see... I, I can see it sort of like being a nil-all draw. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm kind of inclined to say the same thing. Um, just on him being rated to be in the Australian side, like, I think that one of the interesting things about ruck work is that it seems to be a statistical category that has the least amount of scrutiny on it. You know, like we've got how many different things for like contested possessions and goal assists and stuff like that. But uh, getting a simple measure of, you know, was it actually a decent hit out or did he, was he just the first one to touch the ball? Um, there doesn't seem to be any real quantitative, uh, qualitative measure of that that I've seen. I don't know. <laughs> well, there is hit outs to advantage and, and all that sort uh, of stuff. So. But even that's kind of... Like, what's the advantage? Like, you hit it to your guy but he's already got someone on him. I don't know, like... They're also vague and... Anyway, we'll move on. Um, midfield, this is where it's going to be one. It's where it's going to be potentially lost, I suppose. Um, I don't know. How are we feeling about the midfield contest, Macca? I would be 
bitterly disappointed if we can't beat them in the midfield this week. Like, the, their midfield looks paper thin at the moment. Yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. they've got Mitchell, who's been in great form all year. He's, he picks up a lot of the ball. Does he use it well enough? I'm not too sure. He, no. he kicks around the corner a lot every time he sort of gets it. Um, he can be pretty wasteful in that regard. So, he's been their main ball winner. Um, we've already spoken a little bit about Isaac Smith. He's done. He's had a pretty good year. Liam Shields is still around. Um, yeah. A fair bit of the ball, but... Outside of that, I mean, their, their midfield looks really thin this week. Uh, I wouldn't surprise to, to see uh, Sean Burgoyne uh, play through there again this week. Yep. yep. Um, but outside of that, I mean, surely we're too strong in the midfield, surely. Look, you'd really hope so. Um, I don't know, like for me, Tom Mitchell, obviously he's getting the big numbers, but he doesn't, I think he gets it out to his players a lot more. Like he is pretty inside. Uh, and I think that a guy like Smith, because he does cover so much ground, like he's probably more of a threat for the way we play. Um, but we could beat him. We could. And, oh, we've, you know, Liam... we've always struggled against Isaac Smith. Like he's yeah. pretty much run right on a wing every time we've played him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that'll be up to Paulek and uh, Amon. I guess if he plays, um, to make sure that that doesn't happen this time around. Well, I mean, it could even be an empty job if you make him sort of a bit accountable for him, in theory. Don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, but, yeah, you're quite right. Like, I mean, I think that just in terms of, like, if we can get any edge from Ryder, that would be great. But just in terms of physicality of midfield, like, we should be able to just crunch it through. And then, really, it's just a matter of not turning it over, um, which is obviously, that is a bigger, that's a larger concern than I've really sort of made that sound, um, is uh, making sure they get a clear, a, a good clearance from the middle rather than just sort of, you know, having it flick over near the half-back line or the back of the forward end of the square. But, uh, I think yeah, we, should we should be too be... strong in, in contested footy. We should be too strong. I think so. And yeah. the outside ball, I think we should be too strong as well. It's just about quality of getting it forward, I think. Yeah. Um, now, looking at Hawthorne's forwards, uh, gee. <laughs> Struggles now this year. That's, that's really where they've really struggled to fire at all. Um yeah, Roughhead's come oh. back from a year off. He's he's done all right. Seventeen goals. Um, he's played some pretty good games. He's had some games where he's had really uh, not much impact as well. Gunson's the one which has been the real surprise this year. After mm. you know, so many seasons of uh, of great footy, he's just fallen off the face of the earth a little bit. Um, he's really really struggled this year. Luke Bruce has uh, has come good in recent weeks. Outside of that, I mean, they're not really getting a lot of goals. No, no. And let's not forget um, the classic uh, spud who might tear us apart in Ty Vickery. Um, he has played... <laughs> he's kicked five goals in five games. He's really done nothing Two at goals. all. Two goals. Two goals, was it? Yeah. Oh, did I read the wrong number? Yeah, so he's not... He's not doing well, is he? He's And I just sort of wonder, is this is this the game that he decides to play well? <laughs> I can see why they went after him. Um, I can see the logic, but... And, and I thought at the time, I thought, yeah, well, this is probably another sort of David Hale pick and he'll, he'll come good at the Hawks because of their systems and their, mm. their structure and all that sort of stuff, but he just hasn't <laughs> at all. He did play pretty well on the weekend, though. Um, that was probably his best game, so he's probably coming into this game with a little bit of form behind him. But yeah, as you said, a lot, I, I, can, I can certainly see... Worst case scenario, he picks up, you know, like eight marks and three goals or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, you know, comparing to Hale, like you've got to also remember, like being D. Richmond is, is a real thing. Um, you know, coming from North Melbourne is a bit different 
to coming from Richmond. And uh, I don't know, like like we said in the previous week, you know, maybe Brendan Laid is making Ty Vickery look good. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe that's why Charlie Dixon's looking so good right now and Ryder. Um, but anyway, yeah, Gunston. We, we should have enough. We should have we enough should have there enough. to beat that forward line. Oh, look, look, really easily because they're not even used to working as a team. Um, for the most part, you know, uh, Ruffhead's Mr. Bunch. Vickery hasn't been there much at all. Fluffalo might be a worry. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. And Bruce is probably, for me, he's the one that will probably get three or four goals. But yeah. Well, even, even Pup hasn't really been in that uh, good form, to be honest. Like, he's he's really sort True. of um, gone down. He's not having the impact that he's had. They're obviously without uh, Rioli, which is great, because he usually tears us up a bit as well. Yeah. Um, so we should have the opportunity there to really shut down that forward line. Um, and I really hope that we can keep them under sort of, you know, even sort of seven or eight goals tomorrow night. So as for matchups, like I reckon it would be Clorion Gunston. What do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm. I can see Jonas going to Gunston. Um, but yeah, you would think. Cleary will have the uh, the endurance factor. Gunson likes to run around a lot. He's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, and he's very yeah. dangerous from outside uh, 50 as well. Um, so, yeah, maybe Cleary. Uh, yeah. Jonas probably Sorry. on Vic- Vickery, I would think. He's done the job on some yep. taller players this year, so that makes yeah, sense. And then Hobshot and Roughhead as well. You know, I think yeah. he's done a decent job on Roughhead in the past. So, um, yeah, I-, I would expect us to be able to keep those three to uh, a winning score for Port Adelaide. Yeah, I'd say so too. And um, look, just travelling out the other end, uh, obviously our forward line is wasn't wasn't great last week. It was all right. Um, I don't know. I think that we've got a win here too. Like in theory, in theory we've got wins in midfield and forward and defence and break even in rucks. Like this is, I don't know, are we getting ahead of ourselves, Macca? Because this looks like we should win by a lot and it's Hawthorne. Um, we we are getting ahead of ourselves. I think we, I don't look on paper. I don't think that forward line looks as dominant as it should be. Um, I do think their defence it's maybe a little bit underrated. Maybe I don't know. Gir- I really I rate Taylor Jurey. Ryan Burton's had a great year. He'll probably be in the top two or three in the um, in the Rising Star. You would think. Yeah. It all comes down to Charlie Dixon. If they shut out Dixon and keep him to sort of under two goals, then it gives them a, a good opportunity to win the game. Um, it, it's really up to someone like Trengove or Westhoff this week to really stand up and kick a mini bag of goals. Who do you put on Robbie Gray? You, I would think Jure would do the job there. Oh, no, I would have thought they would have wanted the height advantage. Uh, Probably Burton if he's going to be defensive. I don't know. Maybe Burton. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Burton's not, oh. used, Burton's not really used as a defensive defender. No. They, they look to him to sort of uh, run and create, sort of like um, yeah. sort of a, a Pirata or a Bonner, sort of that sort of role. So I wouldn't yeah. expect him to do a shutdown job on, on Robbie Gray, to be honest. No, not a shutdown. Wouldn't be, an, be opposed to him. Mm. But yeah, okay. They, they might try someone like Whitecross. Do you reckon they might put Gibson on him? <laughs> Well, that's another option. Gibson plays tall. Yeah. He can shut him down. Uh, he's got the pace to go with Robbie. He's got the smarts. Um, I still think Gibson will probably go to Dixon, but um, I can certainly see that matchup happening. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, all right. Uh, let's see anything else worked out. Uh, any part, Dylan has said any potter can jump on Robbie's back and it's all good. That is true. Yeah, very um, true. And uh, Scott S has said that he wishes Wingard was playing. He'd get 28 disposals and three goals if he played tomorrow, which is possible. Yeah, yeah he would tear mm. him apart, I think. He, he would have loved uh, this it's game. It's a shame that he's not out there this week. Absolutely. All right, well, look, we'll move on to the game in general. Just quickly talk about the coach. Um, Alistair Clarkson, should we be concerned about him? I think the answer is clearly yes. Uh, Probably. Because, yeah... We should. He's still managing to get a couple of wins with a team that's kind of falling apart. So, um, yeah, we should be a little bit worried. Um, either side have the psychological advantage. Port at home has to, but it's still. it takes a little while for that spectre of Hawthorne form to die off completely. We do have a decent record against the Hawks. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a bonus. Like, we've won three out of the last five. Um, and we do seem to play pretty well against them at Adelaide Oval as well. So... That's going in our favour. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Do we? I'm not sure either side has the psychological advantage in this one. I don't think it's a clear one, no, no. Yeah. Um, and look, we've got a comment here from uh, Spreaker Chat. Ryan Pillars said that if they use Gibson on Robbie, Robbie will kick seven goals because Gibson has been horrendous this season. Yeah. Which, okay, well, That's that'd fair. be nice. Yep. Yeah, I'll be all right with that. And now we get to the fun part. Macca's questions from Bigfooty. Question time! So, Janus with the oh, first yeah. one. Uh, oh, okay. If you're invited to a party and want to make a good impression on the host, what's the etiquette for what kind of bottle of wine to bring? Ah. Oh, um, so, he's, well, I mean, he's, should... thinking, uh, he's thinking Bollinger Special Cuvée, which uh, is very nice, I've got to say. How, how much of an impression do you want to make? Because, I mean, really, you should be working out what the meat is and then buying something appropriate for that. Yeah. It also depends on who the host is, I think, yeah, as well. Yeah, true, true. And, and why you're trying to impress them. Like, is it a friend? Is it family or partner's family? I think you can get away with something a little bit cheaper, maybe a bit more moderately priced there. If you're really trying to impress, like, a business associate, then I'd, I'd be pretty happy to splash out pretty big in that regard. Um, but in theory, I don't think it really has to be the most expensive bottle of wine. I really like um, sort of bring wine which has a bit of a story, like you've, you've been to the winery or, or something mm, like that. Mm. Um, yeah. And you, and you yeah. can sort of talk about the wine a little bit. Um, but usually for like some sort of party, you'd either go sort of either a sparkling or a red. So for me, for champagne, Bollinger's great. Billy Cart Salmon's great. Uh, a vintage Paul Roger, I don't think you can go wrong there. Uh, for a red, I'd probably look outside of Barossa or McLaren Vale and look at something like Clonakilla, uh, Cullen, Yarra Yering, Mount Lange. But if you wanted to go local, maybe something like Wendery from the Clear Valley, I think that'd go down a treat as well. Uh, I think the other thing to consider there is whether the question's even a relevant one in that if you want to impress someone that you know is going to be impressed with wine, then you really should study wine. That's probably the best way to impress them because they'll have wine. They'll be wanting yeah. to show off their knowledge of wine yeah. and they'll be far more impressed if you know about their wine than if you bring your own. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Let, learn wine and then you'll have the answer to your own question. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Excellent. Very true. But as Bomber Clifford says on the um, on Spreaker chat, champagne goes with everything, and it does. Yep, true, true. That's true. You can't go wrong with champers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Bomber's also said, Windery, Macca, I'm impressed. So you've done well. You've, you've answered your done question well. there, Macca. There you go. Bomber <laughs> also said... To, two flavours of vape oil and a flag and a sherry. Look, that's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. 
I'm dealing with the 24 movie stubbies, which honestly, yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. <laughs> surely, surely you got to go a little bit more upmarket and go the Melbourne. Well, it really depends on the party as well, doesn't it? You know, it really depends. Mm. All right, what's the next question? Chop, next chop. one, Pommy Power has asked us, salt and vinegar chips or cheese and onion? Oh, um, it has to I've be cheese opinion. and onion, surely. I don't. I'm not a big fan of salt and vinegar chips, to be honest. Um, I usually make my mouth sort of feel a, too, a bit sort of slimy, like it's got a bit of a film on them. But cheese and onion is probably probably my go-to chip, to be honest. Like if I see a packet of uh, Smith's cheese and onion there, I'm I'm going to grab it. For me, I, I've got an opinion on salt, salt and vinegar, which is that it's a weird oddity of you know Australian culture that you know salt and vinegar chips is a thing when we have warnings for every type of chili available. Um, you know, uh, like oh, do you want chili on that? How hot do you want your curry? Da da da. The reality yeah. is that salt and vinegar will destroy your palate for anything else that you're thinking about eating. So oh, for sure. the fact yeah. the fact that we just put it out there, and, we, and sometimes we just put it in a bowl so you don't even know if it's a you know a nice chip or if it's a salt and vinegar. <laughs> Like that, that's a you salt. You take one that bite a, and you go, oh, what is this? <laughs> that is dead set of salt to do that. Like if you're mixing it, if you've got like bowls of like, you know, plain and chicken and barbecue and whatever, I was like, yeah, fine. But as soon as you put a salt and vinegar out there, like you are pranking the people that you're giving chips to. That's... <laughs> but that said, when I know I'm having salt and vinegar and it's just like, oh, yeah, I just want a nice, really flavorful snack for a short period, then that's probably what I'd go with. Yeah. But I, I do like cheese and onion. As I say, if I'm if I'm hosting, cheese and onion is what I put out, not salt mm. and vinegar. Yeah, for sure. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the sweet chili. Oh, okay. I'm a big fan of yeah, that. Yeah. Or the uh, the honey soy chicken. That's always a winner. Good stuff. Very good. Mm. Uh, Portly has asked, um, being positive at the halfway mark of the season, what on the field has been successful? Uh, increasing the size of our midfield. Um, yep, we've got bigger boys in there, and we've got a couple more coming through, which is great. Um, I think that's been the main one, and also um, whatever has happened to make Charlie Dixon more conscious of what he needs to do to be a good player. Yep, um, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, and right it back. So those are my three. All right. Uh, for me, defensive structures I think have been great. Uh, the improvement or reinvigoration of, of players like Ebert and Jonas. Polek, Wines, and uh, Homsch has been wonderful. Um, I think our ball movement has improved quite a bit. Our forward entries have improved quite a bit as well. And I think, you know, there is a lot to like about how we've played this year. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's certain improvements. Um, if you, Look, I'll give you the positive or the negative positive, which is that I think that the okay. changes we've made, uh, the, the, the changes we've made to our side are such that if we did want to replace Ken Hinckley with someone that comes from a side that has coached more physical midfieldy types like a Sydney or something like that, I think our side could actually convert to that kind of game plan now where previously they might have struggled a bit because we yeah. have um, built up on the bigger midfield and you know having more tools in the side and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think that's, 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 that's a positive. If you're negative, that's a positive. Because if you think everything's going to shit and Hinkley's going to get the sack, then you know we can change it up if we need to. We've, we've, yeah, we've cool. made that necessary step. So. True, that's true. Mm. Uh, Phil Reich has asked, uh, "Will Bigfooty need a new server if there is another shot clock incident against us this week and Hodge kicks the winner with seconds remaining?" Look, I don't know. I mean, I reckon Bigfooty servers are pretty good these days. 
I remember when we nah. had the drafts and trading board starting up, it was crashing every two minutes. Like, from, compared to that, Bigfoot has never been that bad again. Uh, it did crash last week after the port game, very briefly, for about uh, yeah. two minutes. I couldn't get yeah. on. Usually when there's a bit of a Lowell North or a Lowell Richmond moment, uh, it tends to crash a fair bit. Um, I'd be more worried about uh, our supporters tearing down Adelaide Oval and us needing a new $400 million stadium, if that happens, uh, as opposed to Big Footy. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Mm. Uh, Christoph has asked, uh, is Justin Westhoff sharing his games out by putting a big fake beard disguise on brothers Matthew and Lee and cousin Nick, so he only plays every fourth game? And which one was playing last week? Furthermore, which Westhoff do you expect to be playing this Uh Look, I reckon last week was Matthew, for sure. Um, it does seem like a bit of a Matthew performance, <laughs> yeah. I've got to say. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's like the, this is like the, the, the shit version of the four Wanganines from years ago, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, I don't know. Like, it could be. There's not that like many people with beers like that, though. So oh, yeah. I'd like to see Nick get a go this week, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. He was in yep. good good form last time he uh, last time he played, so I think it's time to give uh, cousin Nick a, a bit of a crack and see how he can go against the Hawks. Good stuff. Mm. Okay, that's that. Uh, Monkey Tunk Man, how much? How many clutch goals will Westhoff kick this week? And how well will Hartlett play and prove all the doubters wrong? Um, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, you found a question I can't answer. <laughs> Westhoff will kick uh, zero clutch goals this week because he'll kick zero goals. And Hartlett, I'm hoping, will have a big game because this is the sort of game that he really should dominate in, to be honest. What is the sound of one hand clapping? <gasps> there you go. Oh, there you go. All right, next question. Done. That's it. Oh, okay. Very good. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, look, um, I guess we can move into the final wrap. Obviously, we've both been going through this very clinically, and we've decided that we're going to absolutely wallop Hawthorne. But the question is, how much are we going to beat them by, Macca? And who's going to be our highest goal kicker? If we're going to win, I don't think we're going to win by much at all. I think this is going to be a close game, to be honest. And I'm going to say Port by eight points. With uh, Robbie Gray being the only multiple goal kicker with two. Well, I'm going to say put by 80 points. And, <laughs> I re- and I reckon that Charlie Dixon's going to kick four. Okay. I would happily mm. accept that as well. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. Mm. Uh, if you factor, which Port player should Hawthorne be most concerned about? Who's the player in our side that they're going to be going with? Ugh. Ollie Wines, I think, this week. Just because I... I... I do think that their midfield is in struggle town a little bit. I think um, facing up against a big contested clearance winning ball winner like Ollie Wines is going to cause them a lot of headaches because I don't really think that they've got a player that can stop him. Um, so if he's in form, Ollie, uh, he could really get off the leash this uh, this week and um, be, put in sort of like a best on ground performance, I would hope. Yeah, look, that's certainly possible. Um, we're gonna—I'm gonna go with a player that we haven't talked about, and we should have because he's gonna play his 200th game this week, and that's uh, Brad Evert. Um, Brad Evert, 200 games. Let's talk about that. For a bit. Yeah, yeah, 200 I can't believe games. We... That's a great. 
had to that one make the rundown. Um, yeah, you know, he's uh, done pretty well. Um, I don't know how many of those have Port Adelaide. It had to be more than half, though, surely, I would have thought. Um, yeah, he's done all right. He's done all right. He's made a career out of it. Uh, this will be wow. his 124th game for Port Adelaide. There you go. That's not bad, is it? That's pretty good. To get 200 games, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's only just turned 27 as well, so... He's played a lot of games. You would think um, he's been very durable. You would think uh, he should hit the 300 mark. You reckon? Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? You would think so. Well, at this rate, he's only going to be, what, 31 or something by the time he gets 300, so... Yeah, but uh, if he keeps playing physical football, it might be a bit tough there towards the tail end. Maybe. I'm very happy that he's back in form this year. Like He, he did struggle last year. It was his worst year. He played a bit of a different role, but... Um, yeah, he's probably having his career best year this year. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's great to see because I do love Brad. He's a great player and a great yeah. Port Adelaide person. So, absolutely. Uh, look, I mean, certainly hope you get we get the win for him. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to back him in to be the player that they should be concerned about because, like we said, we're going to win this one in midfield, and he's been in fantastic form this year. Fair enough. Um, conversely, which Hawthorne player should Port be the most concerned about? Uh, Ryan Burton, for me. Okay. Because okay. they, they look to him a lot coming out of uh, the back line. He's their go-to player. I think if we can get the ball forward um, and really sort of lock it in there, shut him down, um, stop him from getting the ball, I think uh, that's going to be a really good thing. They're, they're four wins, one loss in games where he's had over 20 touches this year. So okay. if you limit yeah. him getting the ball, um, we're going to win the game. No, that's fair enough. I'm going to go with Isaac Smith just because, as you mentioned, he normally has a good little run against us. And I think that the way that we've been losing this year, that's been the sort of player that's been really actually causing us to lose. So uh, yeah. I think he's important. And uh, Scott that's S fair. has agreed with me just now on Spreaker Chat. So yep, there we are. He said uh, he averages 23 touches and over a goal a game against Port Adelaide. So um, mm. he loves playing against the pair. He does. Now, here's the big question. Who's the quiet achiever? Who is going to put in the game of the highest standard for Port Adelaide, but they may not wear the crowd? I'm going to say Hamish Hartlett. Oh, really? Yep. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think defensively he's going to do a bit of a job on someone. I'm not too sure who that might be yet, but I think he's going to do a bit of a job. And I think he's going to um, get maybe 20 to 22 touches off uh, the back flank and really set up our play this week. And uh, I don't think he's going to get the respect for it. Fair enough. I'm going to say Tom Clurry for mine. I reckon he will beat whoever he plays on. I think this. I think he's okay to make multiple of those matchups um, against their forwards. Um, yeah, and I can see Scott S has agreed with me again. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he, uh, I think that he'll really shut down whoever's up against him. And because it'll be a shutdown, I don't think we'll notice it as much as we probably should. Um, We'll probably just say it was a midfield win, but who knows. Uh, and just the other games of the round, Maka. Are there any others that you're looking forward to? Oh, mate. The game of the year is coming up. I've got Which to one? say, Frio Collingwood. Like, come on. That's going <laughs> to be a ripper. No, clearly, uh, uh, clearly, Geelong and the Crows is, yeah. uh, is the match of the yeah. round. And that's um, the one that uh, everyone's going to be watching intently to see what happens Um to see if Geelong can back up their form from last week. Are the Crows going to win away against a good team, which they've kind of struggled to do a bit in recent years? Uh, they don't really pl- uh, play Geelong all that well, especially away from home. Uh, 
so yeah, that'll be very interesting to see the result of that one. If if the Crows do get up, uh, that'll be a concern, I think. Look, I mean, I think that either way, like I think that uh, our coaching team hopefully will be watching this one because we should be able to get some tips about how to beat the losing side just by watching it because I think we're not entirely dissimilar to both of them, but we're just lacking a little bit of something. So it'll be interesting to see what tack the winner takes. It might end up being a really good back and forth sort of game, which um, that'll be interesting to see. I think I think for multiple reasons, it's probably is going to be the match of the round for sure. Mm. Um, and when I want to look through the rest of the games. I wasn't really all that interested in the rest of them to be honest. They were well, that's, really that's pretty much good. it. You would like yeah. you would think West Coast will beat Gold Coast. GWS should win. Yeah, yeah. Richmond Richmond North should be an okay game. Oh, no, I, no. I hope yeah, North get up just for the lulls. Um, yeah, and you would you would expect sort of Frio to to thump Collingwood, I would think. But after their form last week, maybe not. You never know. It is hard to say. It is hard to say. But yeah, not not a big week of football this one. I wouldn't think. No, not not the most fascinating. But uh, oh well, there you go. Mm. All right. Well, look. I mean, have you got anything else you want to talk about, Macca? Not really. That's about it. Okay. All Done. right. We can we can wrap it. Good stuff. Bingo. All right, fantastic. So, look, we're going to go out. We're going to win by at least 80 points tomorrow. Um, and uh, we'll get to talk about a really lovely uh, review show on Monday. That's How it. That fantastic. Very good. All right, nothing else to say except for Khan the Power. Khan the Pier. Khan Ports. And thanks for listening, people on Spreaker and so on. Go Ports. Ciao. Ciao. Boys, though, both threatening with every passing minute. Back to full forward, off hands. Brown needed to trap it, couldn't quite. Hassled out of it. Port Adelaide getting numbers. Wingard, no way. Staggering. 